The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors. You're listening to The Nonprofit Voice, brought to you by 100 Women Who Care About Long Island. 100 Women Who Care About Long Island is a giving circle made up of local women who want to financially support vetted Long Island charities and help shed light on the work that they do. This show is produced by Marketing Works. So good morning, this is Laura Palker, and we are so happy to be back here in, can you believe it, we're in December. So excited because today we are going to be uh, talking with a new friend. Um, I am so happy to have with us this morning Tara Coleman, Director of Operations for the Children's Leukemia Research Association. Welcome, Tara. How are you? I'm great. Good morning. Thanks for having me. So we got a chance to speak at the Nonprofit Showcase, and it was so amazing to learn about the work that you're doing for our Long Island community. Could you please share um, what does the Children's Leukemia Research Association do? What was your mission? Is it still uh, the same today? And how were you founded? So we were founded back in 1965 in Garden City, believe it or not. So we've been around for a very long time and was founded to support children with uh, leukemia diagnosis and to fund cancer research for those diagnosed with, with childhood leukemia. It has grown over the years and we still, we still fund mm-hmm. research into uh, finding the causes and a cure for childhood leukemia. But we also added back in the early 2000s a patient assistance program. The board at the time realized that people were in need financially. A cancer diagnosis is devastating to a family. And people needed the support to, you know, help pay for the treatment and the prescriptions and the copayments and things like that. And we continue that work today. Wow, that's amazing. And tell us a little bit more about what your mission is. So the mission is to find the, the causes and a cure for, for leukemia. And, you know, how, what are the, um, what's the progress on that? I know that uh, I was involved in, um, in lobbying for hospice care many, 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 many years ago. And it's just so rewarding to look and see how far we've come in terms of being able to care uh, for people with terminal illnesses. But, you know, are we making the same types of advancements with childhood leukemia? Yeah, we definitely are. We, um, we fund a, um, a research doctor in that works at Dana-Farber Cancer Institute. And she has, she, uh, we have some of her information posted uh, on our YouTube site about progress that's been made. And, you know, back when they were founded, you know, the survival rates were, were low. Mm-hmm. Uh, children are surviving now. Adults are surviving now. So the progress has been made, uh, but we're, you know, obviously we're not there yet. We have a, we have a long way to go still. Yep. And, so. and then living at, you know, uh, what we, you know, in remission, um, mm-hmm. that there's long-term effects from that, from the treatment. So that the cancer may be quote unquote gone, but there's still challenges that the patients face. Right. And so the new programs that you're at that you have added um, assist with that as well? Yeah, so we actually assist it's important to know we assist children and adults financially because oh. there's a there's a big need for adult patients uh, financially need 
assistance as well. If you're, um, it, it doesn't matter, you know, it doesn't matter the circumstances, two income home, one income home, a diagnosis is devastating. People with long-term leukemia, chronic, the chronic forms have to take a pill every day. And sometimes their copayments are $3,000 a month. The average person can't afford that. No, no. And it's, uh, you know, I know that there's been so many times um, where there people have tried to work it around. It seems like it's like you save here and you spend there. You know, we've gotten to that point. And, um, and it's thank goodness for organizations like yours uh, that can help to um, fill the holes and the gaps and maybe make the, the potholes a lot less bumpier. Um, so let's, you, you mentioned that the patient assistance program assists both children and adults, but what are some of the challenges that families with a cancer diagnosis face? Well, uh, whether, whether it's a child or an adult, think about if it's your child, it's devastating, right? It's the words Mm -hmm. you don't ever want to hear. Um, and one of our patients recently wrote me a note and said, everybody starts with an apology. I'm sorry, your child has cancer. Mm-hmm. And it and it goes from there, right? It snowballs. It's it's devastating. So that depending on the age of the child, it doesn't matter. Your child can't go to treatment alone. So someone has to go. If you're if you have a two income household, what does that do to the second income? Mm-hmm. Probably goes away because you're you're not going to leave your child alone in a hospital to get treatment. Right. If you're a one income household or, or a single parent, there's again where where does how, how do you do that? How do you manage that? Um, things I hear stories like that every day, e- even with adults with diagnosis. You know, they're healthy. They know, like I just ran a marathon and um, I hurt my knee, and and all of a sudden I'm getting all these tests and I have leukemia. I have chronic leukemia. I had no idea, and then right. dealing with the shock of it, and then getting through the treatment. It's tough. Some 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 families make a choice of okay, well, there's there's not going to be cable this month because you know little Bobby needs his his treatment. Um, right. So to to alleviate that burden is it's very rewarding, it's very rewarding work. Right, and especially you know during these times now, you know I've been I've been hearing from some of our other nonprofits that the food banks the shelves are empty and we're we've got. Because the demand is growing so much, we've we've got this recovery from a pandemic. And I mean, speaking about the pandemic, how did you manage? It's uh, well, you know, we switched. We were able to to easily easily switch. <laughs> it's funny now. It's not funny. Um, switch to you know to working remotely. Um, now we work hybrid, but we never stopped assisting patients. We did see some changes in in treatment at the time. So, you know, they didn't want people in the hospital. You know, you didn't see your bone marrow transplants, your stem cell transplants. You didn't see children going in for chemo because they didn't want them in there. Um, There was a lot of, uh, so an increase in mail order prescriptions, which was interesting to see how that could flip, that people were able to just, you know, get their their medicine that they need to survive. delivered to their house uh-huh. um, and then and, and, and they worked through it and the, you know the research side of it they there was kind of a, a lag and a, a sag because they weren't allowed in um, to continue we still funded still funded them and some of them had to you know ask for an extension which we would grandly, gladly grant uh, when they were able to get back into the lab and get back in, into doing the work wow so 
Yeah, it's it's uh, it's not as simple as it seems. It there's lots of layers and communication, and I will say from a hundred women who care about Long Island, we're so thankful um, that for the innovation and for the persistence of the, our nonprofit organizations that really take care of our community and take care of our people in, you know, in. Um, in these difficult circumstances. Um, so thank you very much for the work that you do. Um, let's talk about, for a family in need of assistance, um, can you describe what the application process is? Yes, gladly. This is my my wheelhouse, my, my baby, so to speak. We try to make it as simple as possible. Um, Again, if you're helping a child, it's it's you know a parent or a guardian that mm-hmm. has to complete the paperwork. We, unlike other organizations that provide financial assistance, we don't have a income requirement. Um, and if you think about a family living on Long Island, you could make six figures. But if we're going to go back to if your your child gets cancer and you you lose one of an income, right, or your income is decreased because of it, having to care for the child and other children and and your life in general. Um, so we don't really care how much money you make because if you're coming, if you're coming to us and ask for help, you need it. Right. You know, people's, um, deductibles and out of pocket expenses, you know, range from, you know, three to $6,000. So it's a simple application that's online. It's on our website at childrensleukemia.org and there's a patient section and they're required to show proof of insurance and they are required to have a form filled out by their treating physician that just verifies the diagnosis so that we can track those demographics. Because we do cover, like I said, children and adults, but we cover any type of blood cancer. So all the leukemias, the lymphomas, multiple myeloma, and MDS, which is like a, a precursor to leukemia. Is there a phone number that people can use to get in touch with you if they have any questions or um, they're not they want to double check on what the process is? Yes, absolutely. Our number is 516-222-1944. Oh, that's a good good number. A lot of twos and fours. <laughs> twos and fours, easy to right. remember. <laughs> <laughs> so that's 516-222-1944. And the uh, website address can you spell that out? That's uh, it's a, it's a mouthful, right? It is. It's a mouthful, and there's there's no punctuation in it. So I'll say that first before I start. So it's childrensleukemia.org. It's C H I L D R E N S L E U K E M I A dot org. Childrensleukemia.org. So if you want to find out more information, please go to the website, bookmark that. Remember the telephone number, write it down, 516-222-1944. So we've got quite a bit more time here. So let's talk about, um, you, you mentioned research grants. Can you tell us a little bit more about what that process is? Yes, definitely, and that's um, it's also we've we've tried to streamline it and make it as easy as possible for the for the researchers that are looking for funding for their opportunities. It's an online application. We have a, a some of it's very scientific and a little over my head, but um, 
obviously, if you're applying for that type of assistance, you know what you're speaking of. We have a medical advisory committee that reviews the grant applications every year, and they try to direct the funds to those projects that aren't getting funded elsewhere, so where there's kind of no overlap in the funding. Okay. And um, most of them, the majority of them, are, are directed at the childhood leukemias. And so the application process is open year-round, so we're approving the grants that will be awarded for next year. So if you want funding for next, well, now it's too late for next year, but um, the application process ends at the end of June, which sent to the medical committee. And then around now they'll, they'll be notified and they will receive two payments next year to fund the grants. Oh, okay. So then that we're looking now, if somebody would like to find out more information, they're talking about 2024. Yes, but it's always a good idea to make a phone call because if there's funding available, they may squeeze another one in. Oh, good. Good news. It is good news. I'm telling you. So um, that's for research. um, And this is a research grant program that is administered by the Children's Leukemia Research Association. And And how are those grants awarded? It's um, the medical advisory committee reviews the applications and they send us back uh, their notes and, and recommendations on who should be awarded. Uh, and then it's, it's gone from there. Our board takes a look and reviews and approves it. And then the doctors are notified. Oh, that's fantastic. You know, when we were at the nonprofit showcase, I got a chance to meet your executive director and she sang huge praises about you and that how you've got everything organized and efficient. So now uh, let's talk a little bit about, you know, how do you, do, how do you get funded? How do you do fundraising events? Do you, um, do you get grants from, from the government? How does that work? That's a great question. It's something that we're working through. Um, we actually received a boost grant from Nassau County, uh, COVID relief this year. So that was, that was very helpful. Um, we're lucky to have some reserves because honestly, individual donations are, are down at, mm-hmm. like most nonprofits. Um, we're starting to dabble in events. So everyone, you know, follow us on social media and visit the website for upcoming information on that. And we have a lot of long-term corporate um, donors that help, and um, honestly, some wills and legacies from from long before my time. Wow. Okay. So, um, one thing very important is uh, that you can uh, set aside money for this work to have it be continued in wills and uh, and legacies. Um, corporations can get involved and uh, and support the work that's being done as well. And what about volunteers? We um, we don't have a lot of opportunities for for volunteers at this point. It's something we're looking into for the future. Okay. And as you roll out those events, that will probably become a little bit more uh, um, more uh, in lift itself up in the priority list yes exactly to, yeah because it's uh to all hands on deck to run an event <laughs> <laughs> and i do know about that so um yes and the now how can our listeners support your work 
So uh, go to the website, um, childrensleukemia.org. We have, a, we have a donate page, and we also have a ways to help page. So maybe you, you can't give a, a monetary donation. Mm-hmm. There are other ways you can assist, signing up like for Amazon Smiles, designate us as your charity. We get a percentage of that. Uh, Walmart shoppers can designate us as their charity and round up for us. Wow. And uh, we assist uh, patients all across the U.S. So we have, if you know people out of state that shop at Kroger, we have Kroger rewards set up. I'm familiar with Kroger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so there, yeah, Kroger set up geographically. So we pick the geographic areas that we tend to support the most. Okay. All to, right. For people to designate us as their preferred charity on their card. So that's a fantastic way. And, you know, sometimes I um, see where uh, people who want to support others can take their points that they earned on their credit cards and get gifts, gift cards, or they can donate points um, to different organizations. Is, um, are there anything like that on, on the list? Um, no, we're, well, we're registered for, you know, the, the usuals like your cause. So, um, Okay. If you're a your cause user, uh, Benevity, all organizations like that, you can find us and designate us as your preferred charity. It would be great. <laughs> that is amazing. That's amazing. Um, so the um, we have just a little bit more time. If you could think of one thing that would be the most helpful for 2023, how can uh, what would that be? That's a great question. I love it. That would be to tell your friends about our organization, like and follow us on social media, and you know, reach out. Um, like I said, if you can't make a, a monetary donation, uh, there are other ways to help. If you know anybody that needs help, please direct them my way. It's uh, it's the best part of the job is talking to the patients every day. So that's fantastic. You know, uh, oftentimes. Um, you know, we look at all of the um, the great things about our country and our systems, and one of them was, uh, or is still, is creating the the pathway for organizations to become nonprofits and to help people in the community. So. If you have uh, an adult or a child that is um, is facing leukemia um, or uh, blood cancers, please reach out. If you are a doctor and you are looking for funding for um, for a research grant, please reach out. And um, we are just so thankful to have had you on the show today. I want for you to please just. Uh, Tell us that phone number and that website address again. And also, can people find the links to social media on the website? Yes. That yep. That the links to social media are, are directed, you know, directly linked to the website. And the phone number is 516-222-1944. And the website is childrensleukemia.org. No punctuation on that. Uh, but I'm I'm thrilled to be here and thankful for the opportunity. Absolutely fabulous. Tara, you have a wonderful holiday season. And from 100 Women Who Care About Long Island, uh, just finishing up our nonprofit showcase, um, we will be sending out the very first 
recorded virtual meeting that's going out to uh, our membership for um, so that they can vote on their fourth quarter charity who we will be sending a grant to. And uh, and we do have you as a nominee, I believe. Um, oh, that would be wonderful. For, Vote uh, for us. <laughs> for our next, our next program. So looking forward to... Um, to continuing the work, looking forward to getting to know you more. And thank you so much for spending time with us. Thank you again. You're listening to The Nonprofit Voice, brought to you by 100 Women Who Care About Long Island. 100 Women Who Care About Long Island is a giving circle made up of local women who want to financially support vetted Long Island charities and help shed light on the work that they do. This show is produced by Marketing Works. And we are back this morning and so excited to be speaking with I feel like an old-time friend. Mm. We're so happy to have Paul Rubin, Executive Director of Camp Good Morning. Welcome. How are you? I'm good. How are you? Just very good. I am, uh, I am reaching the end of this year and feeling like I am going to put my ducks in a row and have control over my calendar again. <laughs> Been a tough year, huh? Very busy. Yes, yes very busy. And, you know, um, I think that early in the year it was, okay, let's just get on the ride. We don't know exactly where it's going, but uh, but we'll make it work. So um, a good year, lots accomplished, and looking to do a lot more next year. That's fantastic. Yes. So for our listeners, tell us about Camp Good Morning. Sure. Well, um, Camp Good Morning is a Long Island-based 501c3 nonprofit that provides free, absolutely free bereavement camp programs for Long Island children who are coping with the death of a parent or sibling. You know, every time I talk to you and I hear about this service and... um just the difference that you make in people's lives, it's incredible. And I just want to say from 100 Women Who Care About Long Island, thank you. Thank oh. you for the great work that you do. So um, let's let's dig right in. What are some of the statistics that you can share with us about grieving Long Island children? Sure. Overall, about one in seven children experience the death of a parent or sibling or sibling before the age of 20. So if you were to average that out in an average classroom of about 30 kids, there are four children in each classroom who are grieving a death of a loved one. Most times they don't even know the other three in their classroom. And that's right. because it's the kind of thing that isn't really talked about. Right. So that's something that we try to really um, educate people on. The other thing is that um, an additional 200,000 children 
have experienced the death of a parent or caregiver mm -hmm. due to COVID. Oh, right. So th that's, that's on top of the one on seven. Right. And finally, um, 92% of educators believe that childhood grief deserves a lot more attention than it's currently getting in schools. 92%, nine in 10 educators. So when you start doing the math, it really, really tells you a lot of the resources that are being provided for grieving children. Right. Um, and I don't know, you know, if you've had any losses in your life at an early age, but I know that when I was growing up, it really wasn't anything that was talked about. Right. And I think it's so important that children have that opportunity um, where they can meet other kids who are just like them because they will react very differently to their peers and they right. tend to learn more from their peers who are going through the same things than they will as, as um, they go to a therapist. That doesn't mean I'm not excluding the therapist. Right. I'm not excluding that at all. It's a supplement and mm -hmm. it's so very, very important. Very important. And, you know, I have a, a, this touches my heart in, in a very big way. Um, I probably now it's 35 years ago, uh, was very actively involved in lobbying for hospice care because, you know, 40 years ago, it, it wasn't even accepted, uh, by the medical industry. Um, but being able to have, um, an interdisciplinary team that could assist with families and and all the many layers. You know, we're we're not one dimensional. Um, it's right. not just you know the individual walks in and it's it's this or that. You know, it's really we're more complicated than that. You know, there there are um, triggers in in emotional. Um, balances that that affect us in many different ways and i'm sure the grieving process um flows and follows that as well yeah it's it's something where and i'm sure you you may have heard this before but uh grief the death of a loved one no matter who that loved one is whether it's a person or a pet is mm -hmm. like going on a roller coaster ride it's a roller coaster of emotions and um you know, we, what we need to do is kind of meet those children, those grievers, where they are, not where we want them to be. And a lot of times I think, um, at least, you know, in my experience, is that we find out that, you know, we just want to fix them. We just want to fix them. But there's nothing that we can do right. to fix them. So go ahead. You know, I, I, I had a very interesting conversation and it just to plant a seed. Um, but there, I had a, a very interesting conversation with uh, a medical director from uh, Hus, um, Northwell Health, mm -hmm. and we were discussing how there are so many people that are experiencing the grieving process, but in a very different way that we really don't even have a name for it yet, that this pandemic caused. You know, we lost our way of life. We lost our opportunities to share family experiences. We lost uh, celebrating a birthday or a holiday or 
uh, lost even being able to go to uh, do the things that we do to to help people with a funeral and closure and so there even today in our society there is a grief that is unnamed um, that we're we're experiencing and uh, I know that in our industry you know I tell people watch your coworkers watch your family and your friends you know be aware be present um, for these uh, these our human response to this to watch out and just be cognizant because there's so much that's going on yeah I think yeah I agree it's it's something where we can see um, we don't always know what's going on but it's really important to not just use our verbal cues, but also yeah. our nonverbal cues. You really watch them, look at them. Are they, have their eating habits changed? Are they being more isolated? Um, have they um, perhaps started some self-injurious behaviors? You know, it gets into a real mental health issue. So it's really important. And having, I, I do um, support groups for, grieving seniors who are coping with the death of a spouse as well and also with adults who are grieving the loss of an adult parent right and um during the pandemic and i I was running groups throughout the pandemic um it's it's a it's really like a double whammy because we haven't experienced this in a hundred years right right the spanish flu which was back in the early maybe 1917 1918 right around there um that was the last time that we've experienced anything like this. Right. And so we didn't have the ability during the pandemic to maybe stay with our loved ones in the hospital. We didn't have a chance to say goodbye. Right. Some of our rituals were were essentially wiped out because we weren't, you know, we couldn't have um, people coming to either the funeral or the wake and even going to the cemetery you were limited on the number of people who could go. In the Jewish religion, they have something where they sit Shiva. And mm-hmm. people were scared to have people come over. And mm-hmm. the tradition is just to be with them, right? right. Just as it is with, with anyone. Um, but the, the point is, is that the grievers were even more isolated right. than ever before, which created right. more mental health issues. Yes. And we see that, and I see that, especially with the seniors, because they really do need that connection. Yeah, there's a, it's a process. It's, it's a process that was, that was really just, in many cases, just eradicated from, from behavior. So, you know, and I think that that's an important message that we still need to be watching. We still need to be looking at those nonverbal cues. So, Let's uh, let's talk about the weekend. Sure. What does a typical Camp Good Morning weekend look like? Well, it really does look like a typical weekend or week at a regular camp. <clears throat> we do traditional camp um, things like games and barbecues and s'mores. We um, we have bonfires. <laughs> we you know we do the arts and crafts, and we you know we have a, a waterfront. Um, the big difference is that within that weekend, we run four different support groups for the children and teens. And each support group uh, focuses on a different topic or theme. So keep in mind that 
all of the support groups are age appropriate. They will always be at certain developmental levels. So you will never have like a seven-year-old with a 17-year-old because they grieve differently. They right. experience things differently. So we might have the seven and eight-year-olds together, the nines and tens, 11 to 13s, 14s to 17s. And they will all have their own support groups. Okay. Um, and there are four of those, as I had said. One on Friday, two on Saturday, and then one on Sunday. And the themes really focus on, the first one that we focus on is really just being able to share their grief story. Um, right. Some children, some teens have never really had the opportunity to share it from beginning to end because, you know, adults may not want to remind them, quote unquote, right. that their loved one is gone. But how, how, do, you, how do you forget something like that? Um, so we give them as much opportunity as possible to share their grief story. Um, the second one, which comes on Saturday morning, really focuses on identifying feelings. Right. And we like to do that through some sort of art project. We usually, the last couple of camps, we've done it with uh, sand art. Right. So taking different colored sand and placing it in like those message bottles that you might <laughs> toss into the ocean. Yes. Um, and, but each... Each color represents a different feeling. And the kids, we try to empower the children because so much has been taken from them. They get to choose what color represents what feeling. Oh, It's that's all up to fantastic. them. And they pour the amount of colored sand that represents whatever feeling that is into that bottle. They complete the activity. So if they have five or six different feelings, it might be five or six different colors. If they only have two feelings, it might be only two colors. But then after they do this activity, then we process everyone's bottle. So we get to talk about what those feelings are. And then the kids are listening to each other. And they're saying, I didn't, I, I didn't know I had that feeling, but I do have that. Right. And then right. they start talking. Yes. Which is the magic that yes. happens at camp where they start connecting. Um, the th go ahead. You know, I, it's just bringing up for me... Um, you know, so as adults, when we're with children, sometimes I think that we're we're focused on we have we have to put a roof over their head, we have to make sure they have food in their bellies, and that they have a secure and safe environment. And I think that it becomes a little bit overwhelming to the point that. Now that what about this emotional aspect? How do they feel? You know, I remembered um, as a very young girl, um, the first uh, the first boy that caused a twinkle in my eye. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, we would be on the swings in the backyard and things like that, and he passed away in mm. a family vacation. And I always wondered, and here after all these years, it's decades, um, you know, I thought, well, how come somebody didn't come and tell me? How come somebody didn't come and let me come and pay, you know, my respects and express my sorrow? And really, in that, in that time, it's because they didn't know. They didn't know. And so I think that the work that you're doing is so phenomenal because it it really captures that special place of 
you know, we don't know what we don't know. <laughs> mm. And uh, and it evolves and it and it becomes uncovered in those conversations. So so amazing. Yeah, it 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 is it's um it's you, you have to be there to experience, you know, to really experience it. It's hard to it's hard to put into words. We had a um we ran a um fundraiser just over the weekend. And one of our campers, you know, it was, it included campers. It was a family friendly event and campers in their family came and people, you know, from wherever came. And, um, uh, I was talking to the audience and then one of our campers came up uh, the, uh, it was kind of like a stage. And then she came up to the foot of the stage and she wanted, you know, she motioned that she wanted to say something. And I said, come on up, you know, um, mm-hmm. what would, and of course I held the microphone first to hear what she wanted to say. And it was something to the effect she wanted to tell everyone is that this is a place where I feel safe oh. and i and I feel connected and I'm not alone. Yep. You know, and, and that's, that's the payoff. And the sharing of that, you know, and that, that, puts us into a great segue um you were talking about you were doing a fundraiser how is camp good morning funded so we are funded purely but through donations um through in-kind donations through grants and sponsorships we are an independent um bereavement camp so we, we don't have an affiliation with um, a hospital or a hospice so everything that we do really is based on how we're able to bring in funding, but also obviously the generosity of others. Mm -hmm. And this with being the holiday season, um, we just, we literally just um, launched today our holiday um, fundraiser. Um, It's for the entire month of December. Um, You know, I know that there's Giving Tuesday, but I think that we can maybe extend that a little bit so that not everyone has to make a split decision. And because everybody's vying for those dollars, quite honestly. Mm -hmm. So, you know, during the holiday season, if somebody feels generous or they they feel a connection to the organization, they can simply go to our Facebook page and make a donation. And what is your website address? Because I am sure there's a link to your Facebook page on your website. Sure, absolutely. So it's campgoodmorning.org. And that's spelled M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G, as in grief. Um, and uh, again, Facebook, it's the same thing. It's Camp Good Morning. And are you on Instagram? Yes, we are. And so it's also, that's Camp Good Morning L-I for Long Island. Okay. At yes. Camp Good Morning L-I. And morning, just one more time, is M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G. So we have a little bit more time. So let's talk about um, how can one become a Camp Good Morning volunteer? Yeah, we, we love our volunteers. Um, they're the backbone of our organization. Um, and so a very simple way is to either go to our Facebook page, um, reach out to us by email. Um, they can go to info.campgoodmorning at gmail.com. Um, and they can reach out to us. They can go to our website and complete a volunteer application. Okay. Um, and again, it's very, very simple. We don't make it very difficult. Um, you simply go to, there's a black bar that goes across the top, and in it there's a word that says more. I'm sorry, I, I, don't, I think we took it out of that. It's in the black bar, and it says camper slash volunteer applications. You click okay. on that, and then you click on volunteer application, and you're off. It's that simple. 
Now, if somebody fills out that application, um, will they get an email confirmation? Will they get a phone call? How long will it take to get the phone call returned? So what we usually like to do is we like to hop on that right away. Okay. So we'll try to get back to them within 24 to 48 hours, um, let them know that we received it, depending upon when we receive it. So if we received it now, camp doesn't, uh, our next camp is May 19th through the 21st. Okay. So the camp opportunities come later on. We do have other opportunities that they can uh, participate in if they'd like to. Um, and that can happen, you know, we have another event coming up in February. Um, and actually, we have one in January and one in February. So there's many different ways that someone could volunteer, um, whether it's at the campsite um, or if they want to help out behind the scenes, if they have a special talent of some kind. So now you have my curiosity. Well, what's this January event? So in January, um, actually, we're having um, it's it's a volunteer appreciation. Um, again, we oh. really believe that um, without our volunteers, we can't provide this, we can't provide the service. Right. And so we're very much about giving back ourselves because people are being generous to us and, right. and our campers and our camper families. So one way that we show our appreciation is for those campers who, for those persons who's been with us, they can come and um, just sit around and have a good time. So we only have a few seconds less left. Tell us about this wonderful news you shared with me when you first came in. Yeah, so very briefly, um, we were awarded a, rec a certificate of recognition by the town of Hempstead's uh, town clerk, and her name is Kate Murray. It was just a wonderful surprise, and we're so very, very grateful for her and the thoughtfulness. Well, thank you again. Paul Rubin, Executive Director of Camp Good Morning. You can reach them at the website, Camp Good Morning, M-O-U-R-N-I-N-G.org. Thanks so much for being with us. Thank you so much. The views and opinions expressed on this program are not necessarily those of this station, JVC Broadcasting Management, or its sponsors.